Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. So anyway, they say that Curly was a vagrant and that was against the law to be a vagrant. They gave him three months of hard labor. He said they would wake him and all other men up at three o'clock in the morning and that they would make him walk four miles. Curly said they took him to a coal mine, the same place that they were digging the tunnels in the earth. He said they would work them until 8 p.m. and they would walk four miles back to the camp where they slept. Well, he asked a man who was there, how come they being treated like they is? And the man told him because they were convicts now. He told Curly, that they go around picking up people who ain't doing nothing and make up some charges on them and make them work like slaves. family, along with all of the other families, were out toiling in the field. Lenny Gray worked closer to the edge where she could keep an eye on her two youngest children. She had a boy named Tommy who was five and very sickly, and a little girl named Minnie who was six. Tommy and Minnie were still too young to be out in the field, but enjoyed playing at the edge of it. Things had only gotten slightly better over the last few years, with Bud, Willie, and Mary helping to support the family. It's hot out here, ain't it? Curly's voice was gravelly like there was sand in his throat. I feel like I'm about to faint, Lenny Gray said as she worked through the pain of her aching lower back. It'll be lunchtime soon. We, We can take a break then, said Curly, looking up at the sky and at the position of the sun. You better get back to work before Mr. Bettis has a mean fit and say something to you about it, Lenny Gray reminded him. I I will in a minute. How how Tommy doing? Curly asked. Lenny Gray turned her attention to her youngest son. About the same. He needs to see a doctor, Curly, Lenny Gray reminded him, although she knew that there was nothing he could really do. But still, she held on to hope. Mr. Better say ain't no place round here uh, that'll look at a colored boy. And the doctor, he had to look at my hand to move. He said the closest place that would even consider looking at a colored baby is too far away. Uh, Mr. Better say we should just keep doing the best that we can. Tommy's going to get stronger. He'll pull through just like Bud did when he got the fever. Tommy'll be okay, just like Minnie, Curly said wanting to reduce the need for medical care 
into something that was small and not of urgency. Curly, I don't want to lose no more children. After Minnie was born, we lost Grady, and he was just a few months old. And then with Minnie being part of triplets, oh, it just hurts too bad. Lenny Gray wiped her brow with the back of her hand. We ain't gonna lose no more like we did when Minnie was born. My mama say that Minnie's something special on account. She's the onlyest one of the triplets that survived. She's gonna be strong and, and live a long time, Lenny. Curly assured Lenny Gray that it was okay to place faith and trust into what he was suggesting. Curly, I'm afraid of losing Tommy. He is sick, but I don't know what he got. He can't keep no food down, and his skin is more yellow than it is brown. The sickness then took a hold of him, and it is bad. Oh, Curly, it's so bad I can almost taste it. Look at him. He's so little, Curly. He's all bones. He looked like if a strong wind would come past, it would snap him to pieces. I'm out here working in the field when I need to be at home tending to him, Lenny Gray said, as a deep sense of guilt for not being able to take care of her children consumed her. Lenny, I say he'll be fine after a while. Just wait and see. It's going to take a little time for him to get his strength up is all. All our children come into the world weak and thin, and now look at them. They're strong and healthy. Next year... Tommy will be out here in the field with the rest of us working. I made a good life for our family, Lenny. Didn't I tell you? Well, we would all be working out in the field together one day. Curly, do you really want our children out here working like this? The question stunned Curly. A hard line formed across his lips, and his eyes filled with confusion. That was immediately replaced by defensiveness. They safe here with us, Lenny. That's all that matters. Curly raised his voice. Tommy may be safe for now, but he needs to see a doctor, Curly. I don't know how we're going to find the money to do it, but we need to. I could take in more washing and... Curly stopped her by tossing up his hand to silence her. I'm doing what I can, Lenny, and that's all there is to it. Don't you think that I could... Damn, Lenny, don't you think that if I could get him to a doctor, I would? I ain't got no car, no money, and my shoes are stuffed with newspaper because I got a hole in the bottom of them. Hey, Papa. Tommy's small voice broke the tension that was building between Curly and Lenny Gray. Tommy waved to his parents. Turning on his heel, Curly walked over to Tommy. He picked his son up, who was as light as a blade of grass, and began to tickle him. Tommy laughed and squealed. Curly toyed with him until he was breathless and then sat him down. He picked up Minnie, who looked into his eyes and then began touching his nose as if it were something strange that needed to be explored. See that, Lenny? Look at our babies. They is fine, Curly said gleefully. Lenny Gray looked at Tommy and saw something that Curly ignored or refused to see. She was connected to the children in a way that Curly wasn't. After Curly sat Minnie down and walked back over to her, she noticed that Tommy looked as if blood had leached from his face. She also noticed that he was having a hard time catching his breath, 
She rushed over to him with Curly on her heel to make sure that he was okay. You okay, Tommy? He was having a hard time taking in air. Lenny Gray sat on the ground and held him. You shouldn't play with him so rough like Curly. I was only tickling him. He's all right. Lenny Gray rubbed his bony chest with one hand and lightly patted his back with the other. Come on, boy. Take in some air. Slowly, Lenny Gray said. Eventually, Tommy caught his breath and was able to breathe normally. Curly, I can't take this, Lenny Gray said, still holding and rocking her son on the ground. Something shook my spirit to the core when I gave birth to the triplets and lost two of them five years ago. There was something going on, more than you know about Curly. Lenny, now ain't the time to bring that stuff up again. I I just, I, I heard just as much as you do about that, Curly said, not wanting to listen to Lenny Gray's pain or one of the superstitious narratives that was always looping around in her mind. I can't help it, Curly. I know what I saw when I was bringing them into this world. Lenny, you was carrying on like you had gone mad or something. Even my mama said that you was acting strange for a woman who'd been through the birthing process as many times as you have. All I know is I lost my babies and it was hard on me. Why can't you understand that? I stayed in the house the whole time holding on to them. Babies were so small when they were born. Pearlene lived just one day before she died. And Esther lived two days before she passed on. Lenny Gray glanced at Minnie, who was smiling and laughing. I saw evil spirits in that shanty, Curly. The grave digger was there. It was quiet like all of the wind had been sucked out of the world. When the babies died, the evil spirits smiled real mean-like. They smiled like the souls of our babies was owed to them, and they had come to collect. And the grave digger was there. That's all I know. Uh, no such a thing happened, Lenny. You just had hard labor is all. It was difficult for you to carry three babies, and you lost your mind a little is all said Curly, wanting to end the conversation. I prayed, Curly. I prayed like I ain't never prayed before. I called on God to run the devil and his spirits out of the house. There wasn't nobody in the room around when the babies came into the world except for my mama, Mary, and me. We was the only ones who came into the room, Lenny, Curly said annoyed. Will you listen to me just once, Curly? Lenny Gray said sullenly. Lenny, it was hard. I get that. But I don't believe you done seen anything. Curly spoke honestly. Well, I'm going to tell you what I saw again anyway. Lenny Gray took a hard swallow. Like I say, I saw spirits in the room. Spirits I ain't never met before. But I knew who they was. Well, what they look like, Lenny? Curly humored her. I don't know, Lenny Gray answered. Then, how you know they was there if you can't tell me what a single one of them looked like? Curly asked. The grave digger was there. That much I know. They was there and they took the babies 
and they were standing next to you each time they did it, Curly. I got the sense that they were taking the babies as payment for all of that devil praying you did back in 1918 during that flu outbreak. Lenny Gray shot him a condemning look. I was trying to yell at them to give me my children back, but they took the spirits of the babies and turned it to black smoke when they walked out of the room. They were evil spirits, Curly, plain and simple. We cursed, Curly. You don't know nothing, Lenny. You just talking crazy again. You been out here in the field in the sun too long. Curly elevated his voice. Uh, What are you saying? That I'm hexed or something? If I got a bad mojo on me, then how come I'm the one who nursed many back into good health? I'm the one who held her. I fed her. I got her strong. I did that. I did that, Lenny, because you was too sick to do it. It might sound crazy to you, but not to me. Lenny Gray stopped talking. She glanced over at her small children, who were in a squatting position, making lines in the dirt with two small sticks they'd picked up. She wanted to cry. She wanted so much more for them than what she was able to give. Winter had arrived, and the temperature had dropped below freezing. The wind blew bitterly and made a whistling sound as it swished through the open spaces on the planks and the roof and the sides of the shanty. Lenny Gray's shivering awoke her. She noticed that while she was asleep, Curly had pulled all of the blankets and quilts off of her. Curly, stop taking all the blankets, Lenny Gray said as she tugged on a quilt to cover her and Tommy who had gotten terrifyingly sick when the season had switched from fall to winter. Curly grunted and turned in his sleep. Lenny Gray noticed a rattling sound in Tommy's chest when he coughed. She believed that he had caught the flu and hoped that it wasn't like the one that hit back in 1918. Tommy? Lenny Gray shook him, but he didn't wake. She shook him again and called his name a second time, but... He still refused to wake up. Lenny Gray sat upright and shook him harder, calling his name louder. Tommy, she said in a short, quick breath. Uh. Tommy answered. He opened his eyes and Lenny Gray noticed that the whites of them had turned yellow. Get up. I need to mix you another hot toddy to help break up that cold in your chest. Lenny Gray got up and turned on a kerosene lamp so that she could see and start a fire in an old stove that Curly was able to salvage. She mixed the drink for Tommy and gave it to him. Lenny Gray noticed that Tommy had gotten thinner. His bones at his elbows and knees looked like miniature baseballs to her. Although there was some food in the house, Tommy didn't eat much. He said he didn't have much of an appetite. Curly believed that once he started doing field work, he would develop the good sense to eat which would put some meat on his bones. Tommy coughed hard and deep, and a thick, yellowish mucus came up from his tiny body and landed on the floor. Don't make no sense for something that thick and heavy to come from such a little person. 
but I'm glad this hot toddy is helping to break things up, Lenny Gray said as she rubbed his scrawny chest and back. Tommy, lay on your pallet right here close to the stove. The heat will help you to sweat the cold out, Lenny Gray said. Okay, Tommy answered weakly. Lenny Gray made sure that he was situated comfortably. She got down on her hands and knees and stroked his head by the glow of the kerosene lamp until he was fast asleep. Everyone slept on pallets that had been spread across the floor. As Lenny Gray made her way to where she and Curly slept, she noticed that Mary wasn't there. Bud! Lenny Gray shook his shoulder. She knew that Bud would tell everything if she asked. Bud, wake up! Lenny Gray shook him hard. What? Bud opened his eyes. Where Mary at? Lenny Gray asked. No, no, in the, in the corner, sleep, sleeping, sleeping. Bud said groggily. Lenny Gray held the lamp up, but Mary wasn't there. She was about to wake up Curly and tell him when she heard the door of the shanty slowly creep open. She watched as Mary tiptoed in and gently closed the door behind her. Where you been? Lenny Gray's tone was hard and unforgiving. Mama. What are you doing up? Mary asked nervously. What are you doing sneaking in the house at this time of night? Where you been, child? Lenny Gray held up the lamp close to Mary's face. She wanted to look into her eyes to see if she would tell her the truth or try to lie. I was going to tell you, Mama, but I was just waiting for the right time. Mary explained. Going to tell me what? Lenny Gray asked suspiciously. Mama? I'm 17 now. The new year will come in a few weeks, and I'll be going on 18. Mary began to wring her hands. What's that got to do with sneaking in here? I ain't going to ask you another time. Lenny Gray felt anger rising in her heart. Mama, I'm in love with Elmo, Mary said. Elmo? Lenny Gray asked. Yes, he said he in love with me too, Mama, Mary explained. Love? Lenny Gray uttered. The word had no real meaning to her. Yes, Mama, real love. Don't you remember what it felt like to be in love? Mary asked. Lenny Gray lowered her lamp. Mary had blindsided her with the question. Mama? Mary whispered. Go sit at the table, child, Lenny Gray said. Mary quietly walked over and sat. It's real love with Elmo, Mama. The kind of love that you and Papa have, Mary said, convinced of her feelings. How long you been sneaking out of the house? For a while now, Mary answered. If your daddy learned that you've been tipping out of the house to see the likes of Elmo, he's going to tan your hide and kill Elmo, Lenny Gray said. Mama, no he can't. I'm too big for that now. I'm a woman. Elmo loved me and I love him, Mary said defensively. Can't you remember what love feels like? The question caused Lenny Gray to pause again. I'm not sure of what that kind of love really is, Lenny Gray said earnestly. Don't you love Papa? Wasn't y'all in love before marriage? You listen to me good. You're going to stop all of this crazy talk here. You're going to stop going and sneaking around to see Elmo, and you're going to... Going to what, Mama? Work in the field the rest of my life until I'm old and can't stand up straight? I never did want to do field work. 
Elmo got his own farm and a small patch of land that his white daddy had left to him. At least if I'm going to work a farm, it'll benefit me and not Mr. Bettis. You can't leave this house. We got to stick together. Lenny Gray wanted to shift some of the burden of togetherness and responsibility to her daughter. Mom, I want to be with Elmo. We need your help out in the field to survive. Lenny Gray said. She wanted Mary to understand that without her help, hard times would fall on the family again. Mama, Elmo want to marry me. He said when the time is right, he's going to come around and ask Papa for his blessing. Mary's words lingered in the air, and it took Lenny Gray a moment to process what she was being told. No! Lenny Gray said. You can't do this to the family. Mama, I got my own family to worry about now. The bleeding that stopped. My belly is full. Mary took her mother's hand and placed it on her stomach. This is Earl Sewell, author, creator, and narrator of the audio drama podcast, Lenny Gray. I wanted to stop in to say thank you to the listeners of the show. This show has been listened to in a number of countries, and I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the people in the following countries for listening to this podcast. And here they are in no particular order. China, the U.S., Hong Kong, Russia, Colombia, South America, Argentina, South America, Australia, Finland, Hungary, Germany, France, Ireland, England, the Philippines, Bulgaria, Italy, Canada, Nigeria, and South Africa. I don't know who you are, but I do know that you're tuning into the show weekly or bi-weekly uh, for that matter. I know that you're tuning into this podcast bi-weekly, and I wanted to give you a personal thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen to my creativity. Also, please feel free to share a link to this podcast on all of your social media websites and recommend it to friends. The second thing, if you want a little bit more about the Lenny Gray uh, podcast, I have a Facebook group that you can go and join. It's called Lenny Gray Audio Drama Podcast. It's a Facebook group. It's free to join. You can go over there and you can get some behind the scenes stuff about the podcast and a little bit more about me. I hope you will take the time to join me in that group. And the last thing that I want to share with you. Lenny Gray is just one of about 25 novels I've written. 
Lenny Gray has one that I turned into a podcast. I have a number of other works. Another one of my works is called Keisha's Drama. It's book one in an eight-book series, and it's a young adult series. So for those of you who have young adult readers and you want to give them some really good reading, then try out Keisha's Drama. What is about to follow is an excerpt from that novel. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, you can download Keisha's Drama wherever books are sold via Amazon, via uh, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. I hope you enjoy this excerpt from Keisha's Drama. I'm really not the type of girl who likes to get caught up in a lot of drama. But sometimes I feel like drama is closer to me than my own shadow. And sometimes situations become explosive, like an earth-shattering thunderclap that comes with strong spring storm. I know that's a messed up way to think about my life, but it's true. I just saw my so-called boyfriend Ronnie at the movie theater with his arm around a girl from school. There I was at a movie by my damn self because he told me that he couldn't hang out because he had to study for a chemistry exam. He was working on chemistry, but not the type that was in a book. He didn't even see me in the darkness of that movie theater. He sat two rows in front of me. He started whispering in her ear as he fed her his nachos. When I saw him do that, I lost my cool. I jumped up out of my seat, took the lid off my slushy, walked down the steps toward them and said, you need something to help drink with that? And threw my drink on him. Then the messed up part is the fact that I had to hustle up on the money to even go to the movie theater by braiding hair for some badass kids. And not only is the Ronnie situation messed up, my whole life is messed up. And I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.